If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Daniel. Uh, You've heard me preach from Daniel in the past, but uh, in these next few moments, we're going to read verse 8 in the first chapter of the book of Daniel. And we're going to ask the question, are you committed? This message is targeted to all our graduates, those from preschool to elementary, those from middle school to high school, those from high school to college, and those from college into the real world. Um, And for you sitting in the pews, I hope you're encouraged and challenged with this message also today. I pray I won't be before you very long, but nevertheless, it's only 11 o'clock. We're used to getting out of here at, what, 1230? (laughs) Just just bear with us for just a little bit today. One day, and you maybe heard this story, but, but it is fitting for this day. One day, President Lincoln was riding in a coach um, with a colonel from Kentucky. The colonel took, a, took out a bottle of whiskey from his pocket, and he offered Mr. Lincoln, President Lincoln, a drink. Lincoln said, no, thank you, colonel. I, I never drink whiskey. <laughs> well, it'd be nice to know our presidents today didn't drink too, wouldn't it? They got so much going on, adding alcohol to it. Ain't going to do nothing but mess it up worse. After a little while, the colonel took out some cigars, offered one to President Lincoln, and he said, no, thank you, colonel. I, I don't deal with tobacco. He looked at the colonel, and he said, can I tell you a story? One day when I was about nine years old, my mother called me to her bed. She said, Abe, the doctor tells me I'm not going to get any better. But I want you to be a good boy. I want you to promise me before I go that you will never use whiskey or tobacco As long as you live. Colonel, I promised my mother I never would. And up to this hour, I've kept this promise. I think it's a fitting promise to for Abraham Lincoln to have kept. But as we think about this commitment that Abraham Lincoln made at nine years old to a a dying mother, I wonder would I have been that committed to keep that promise think about this if we were in his shoes would we have kept it his mother passed away and there was no way for her to know whether he broke the promise or not he was a grown man certainly he was able to make his own decisions he had been highly educated He had been successful in his profession. He was well known. In fact, he was president of the United States of America. Yet, he kept the wishes of his dying mother. Even though she never would have known if he broke that promise. I wonder, would I have kept that commitment? I question why would he have 
kept this commitment. And then it just dawned on me. He would have known. Didn't really matter that his mother would have never known. Truth is, he knew. So he he purposed in his heart that no matter what came his way, he would not defile himself. He would not disregard the words of his mother. Even though she was not there, even though she could not see what he was doing, he still obeyed his mother. Well, the Bible gives us an example of such a commitment that was made. And for the church today, especially for the graduates that we're celebrating today, my prayer is that you are encouraged and inspired by Daniel's commitment to remain committed to the word of God. The Bible tells us in verse 8 in chapter 1, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day and this occasion. And we pray now that you would speak to our hearts and whatever's accomplished will give you praise In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. We we need to know a little bit of what's going on. Daniel, uh, Israel at this time is more than a political state. The Israelites were in a covenant with Yahweh. The covenant was that Yahweh would be their God and they would be his people. However, the nation had abandoned this covenant relationship that they had with God. They turned to idols and and to false gods. They spoke the covenant language, but they practiced spiritual adultery. Because Israel broke the covenant, their commitment to serve Yahweh, the one true God, God has now pronounced judgment against Israel. Israel would be taken over by the Babylonians. They would be in captivity in a foreign land for 70 years before God would allow them to begin going back to Jerusalem. When Israel was overtaken and captured, all of Israel was not taken into Babylon. Not all at once. There were three bands or there were three groups that made the trip. And each group made that trip on a different occasion. Of one of the first group, we find that the Babylonians took some of the king of Israel's descendants. He took some of the nobles. They they took some young men in whom there was no blemish. They were good looking Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and and quick to understand. Who had the ability to serve the king and learn the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. What we find in chapter 1 was that there were four teenage boys who stood out among all that was taken into captivity. 
They stood out not just for the qualities that we just mentioned, but they stood out because of their commitment to the Lord. So what we find is that their commitment to serve the Lord did not change no matter what opportunity came their way. Now, some of you may be thinking, I don't see much of an opportunity here for them. Well, let's just think about this. Let's, let's look at this in a different light. There were opportunities. Besides Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they were removed from their family, you may be thinking. Not only were they removed, they were, they were taken 900 miles away from their home. And not only this, but they were held captive in a foreign land. So the, I understand the question. What opportunity is here? Well, as we look into the bigger picture, yes, they were removed from their families. Yes, they were 900 miles from home. Yes, they were captive in a foreign land. But what we don't find here is where they were angry or complaining about the circumstance that they're in. They did not allow their circumstance to dictate whether or not they would or could serve their God. Instead, it appears that they recognized that they were of this first band of captives. This meant that they were Israel's best of the best. They were not taken into Babylon to work as slaves in the field. Instead, they they had proven to have the ability to learn and to apply all that they had learned. They were considered beneficial and profitable to Babylon. They would have the opportunity to continue their education. They would have the opportunity to learn the Chaldean language and their literature. They would also have the opportunity to serve the king. They were being prepared not for menial positions, but for positions of influence, positions of of honor. And because of their commitment to the Lord, they would take the opportunity to live out their commitment to Yahweh. They would take the opportunity to put their faith in their God on display. They would take the opportunity to influence people of another nation, of another creed, of another language, the truth about their God of Israel, that he is the one and true God. They were seeing a much bigger picture than what we often see. Where some of us might have complained and griped, and been afraid, and wept, and called out, why me? They were seeing an opportunity to share God with a lost and dying world. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Young people, you have all displayed the ability to learn and gain knowledge. You have displayed the ability to understand what you've been taught. And you would not have the opportunities that are laid out before you had not this been proven. Some of you are about to move from preschool to school. Some are moving from middle school to high school. Some from high school to college. Some from college out into the workplace. Or maybe even graduate school. But I would encourage you to see your next move as an opportunity. An opportunity 
where you will experience new things. You will meet new people. You will be in a brand new environment and allow it to be an opportunity to live out your commitment to God, your commitment to Christ. The real challenge, really, no matter where you are, whether you're in school, whether you're in college, whether you're in the workplace, be committed to be different than everyone else. Be committed not to conform to the world, but to be different, to walk your path and let it be a path that God has ordered for you. My real challenge is that you take the opportunity to make a commitment or renew your commitment to the Lord, to purpose in your heart, to be an influence on others for Christ and not to allow your circumstances to negatively influence you. You have this opportunity right before you. Take the opportunity. Just as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah did. Take the opportunity to let people see God lit up through you. Now, with this, we can't be naive. And I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't share with you that with opportunity, there comes opposition. We find in the passage that opposition came before Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their opposition came through the Babylonians trying to conform these young boys. Well, we're told in Romans 12 and 2 to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that here we find that the chief of King Nebuchadnezzar's units, he gave the young Hebrew boys new names. They were given Chaldean names. Daniel, which means God is my judge, was now being called Belteshazzar. And Hananiah was being called Shadrach. And, and Misha was being called Meshach. And Azariah was going to be called Abednego. Now, we can see how this could have been offensive as a matter of, especially the teenage boys. As a matter of fact, we know there are women today. I'm pretty sure maybe none of you, maybe there are, but there are women today that are offended by the tradition or even the suggestion that a woman take a man's last name that they marry. I can understand how this could have been offensive to them. You take my daddy's name from me and I'm going to be offended But we don't read where these boys are offended. We don't read where they are upset or angry. It appears to me that they had an understanding that it doesn't matter what they called them. They could still serve their God. It didn't change who they were. It didn't change who was living on the inside of them. It didn't change the walk that they were going to walk. They could call them whatever they wanted to be called. And and it was going to be okay because God was still on his throne. I want to remind us. It doesn't matter what the world says about us. It doesn't matter what the world calls us. As long as we're where God would have us to be, it doesn't matter what the world says. We can still serve our God. It should not change our commitment to serve Yahweh. But what we do notice is their commitment dictated their choices. Where these Hebrew boys drew the line in conforming was that they refused to take part in an activity that would defile them. Here we find in verse 8 
that because of this commitment, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. The chief eunuch who oversaw the young men who was taken from Israel, the king wanted these men at their very best. What this meant was they had to have the proper nourishment to be at their best. So keep, so to keep their strength up, to keep their minds sharp, they, they were given the king's delicacies. They were given the king's wine. However, partaking in the king's delicacies was forbidden according to the dietary laws of the Hebrews. We can find that in Leviticus 11. And it seems that the young boys were taught the words of King Solomon, which is found in Proverbs 21, which says a wine, wine is a mocker, strong drink, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever's led astray by it is not wise. So with a purpose hard and a commitment to serving Yahweh, Daniel pleaded his case to the steward who had been set over them. Trusting God, Daniel asked for 10 days to prove if he, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were allowed to eat just vegetables and drink just water. They wanted no part of the king's delicacies. They wanted no part of the king's wine. You're asking, what made this food unfit or unclean? Why would they not want to eat the meat of the king? Surely it was prepared as the king would have it. Surely it was prepared as well as it could possibly be. But this meat, these animals that the meat came from had been offered up to idols. It had been used in idol worship. And these boys said, we'll have no part of it. So Daniel pleads for 10 days. Let us... Give us 10 days to prove that we'll be just as fit. We'll be just as sharp. We won't look sick. We'll look just as good as the others. And if we don't, do what you will. Now today, there are no dietary restrictions that for the church. The church is not under the dietary law or the restrictions of the dietary law that was given to the Jews. We're under grace. In 1 Corinthians 10, 25 through 26, it says, Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If that's not enough for you, verse 30 says, But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken or spoken of for the food over which I give thanks. Paul's asking a question to the Corinthian church. Why would you think it's evil for me? For me? Or why would you consider me evil because I've eaten something I thank God for? So when we give thanks, we're thanking God for his blessings and we can partake in it. Because of the grace of God. Oh, I'm so glad I can eat bacon. I don't know about you. I'm glad I can eat So I, I like pork. I like it a little too much. And I'm trying to curb that a little bit. But, but I'm so glad that I'm not fo- having to follow those dietary laws any longer. 
But my question becomes, how does this relate to us? We see how these boys were being opposed. They were asked to conform. So what does that mean for us? It doesn't, I mean, our dietary laws have nothing to do with this. But graduates, I pray your commitment to serve the Lord will dictate your choices. Because the choices you make will reveal your true commitment. I I would challenge graduates today that no matter the opposition, purpose in your heart not to defile yourself by conforming to the world. There are lots of ways that we're going to be asked, that you will be asked to conform. As a matter of fact, for those of you leaving preschool and going to elementary, Maddox and Connor, uh, what you're going to face is that there are going to be those who tell you to do what you want to do. You'll have classmates to say, let's do this. Even though the teacher has given you clear instructions not to do those things. And I, I want to say this. If you are disobeying your teacher in class, you are defiling yourself. And your teachers will not be happy about it. Your parents should not be happy about it. And believe me, God certainly will not be happy about it. For those who are going to high school, there are many ways to defile yourselves and you may be approached by those who want you to engage in things that you know you should not be engaging in. Premarital sex for one, fornication, uh, alcohol, drugs. There'll be those who try, who approach you to want you to join in with them as they are bullying other kids. And you can believe this. That if you refuse to engage in these things, you may be the target of the bullying. But if you will trust God, stand fast, and believe his word, you will find that he is faithful. Those of you who are going to college or who's going into the workplace... Along with those that's already been mentioned, you may be approached to conform by compromising your integrity. You may be asked to turn away or walk away or ignore something that you know is morally wrong. You may be asked to set aside your faith and make a decision that may seem on the surface to be the right thing, but it's leading down a terrible road. You may be asked to lead a prayer, but leave out the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you. Don't let anybody fool you to think that that's okay. If they can't hear the name of Jesus, there's no other name given among men by which man can be saved than Jesus Christ. And no matter what the world says, if we can't shout the name of Jesus, leave them alone. You may be asked, or you may even hear scripture used, or scripture twisted to justify behavior that you know will defile you. Listen, there's no way to live in this cruel, broken world and not face opposition when you purpose in your heart to remain committed to serving the Lord. Just know that when people, co-workers, so-called friends walk walk away from you, You can know Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, he will be with you always, even until the end of the age. He's always there with you. Now, as I'm coming to a close, 
When we remain committed to serving the Lord, we will find that he will open many opportunities. Those opportunities may not look like opportunities. But if we'll look for the bigger picture, we'll see the opportunity. But when you see the opportunity, you can know, go ahead and brace yourself. Because opposition is going to come. But if you have a purposed heart to not defile yourself, it will produce the outcomes that God wants for you. And those outcomes is that we win. We win. At the end of 10 days, Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was interviewed by the king. Nebuchadnezzar saw these boys. And what we find, scripture tells us that in all the kingdom, none was found like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which they were examined, the king found them ten times better. Than all the magicians and astrologers throughout the land. (laughs) And if that's not enough for you. With them eating only vegetables. And drinking only water. Not because it was wrong to eat meat. But because that meat had been offered up to idols. Because they purposed in their heart not to defile themselves. (laughs) Their appearance was better than the rest. The Bible says they were fatter (laughs) and they were fairer. I would wonder today, what would the king of kings and lord of lords find in you? Will he find that you believe in that Jesus Christ is the son of God, born of a virgin? Would he find that you believe Jesus is the Christ? He lived a sinless, perfect life. And it, but he gave himself to die a sinner's death. He hung upon an old rugged cross and died as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Would he find that You believe that on the third day he arose from the grave, giving us victory over death, hell, and the grave? Will he find that you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And will he find that you have a purposed heart committed to serving him? Taking the opportunity to share the gospel, no matter what opposition you face. Will he find that you will trust him for the outcomes in your life? Oh, for every graduate in here, some of you have been graduated preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, some even college for a long time. Some may have decided I'm going to graduate the world and I'm not going to worry about formal education. But you're where you are today because of the grace 
and the mercy of God. My question is, what's he going to say? Or what's God going to find when you stand before him? Every head bowed, every eye closed for every individual in this place. Will he find that you believe the gospel? Will he find that you responded in receiving the gospel? Or will he find that you responded by rejecting the gospel? You know your heart. But I can promise you this. You don't know it as well as you think you do. The heart of man is deceitful among all things. Only God can know the heart of man. So uh, I'll say this. God knows your heart. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? If you do, I can say that he is pleased with you. If you don't, I can say he's pursuing you today. How do I know that? You're here. You could have been many places, but you're here. He's pursuing you. Surrender and let him change your life. Let him come in and feel what's empty. Let him come in and lead you down that right, narrow path. Let him come in and let him dictate your choices. And you'll find he'll do you well. And he'll love you better than you could love yourself. Is there one today who would say, I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior? If there is, would you come? Would you come? Let me introduce you to this man. While the church is praying, let me introduce you to this man named Jesus.